So that was the gay men's chorus singing, your children are not your children, uh, which is actually a philosophical comment. But there are those on the left who seriously believe this. I think a lot of us uh, remember Melissa uh, Harris-Perry on MSNBC with this little diatribe. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. So we're seeing more of this play out in our schools and uh, our own investigative reporter, the Daily Wire's investigative reporter, Luke Rosiak, has helped expose this. He's the guy who broke the Loudoun County bathroom rape story that helped swing the Virginia uh, gubernatorial election. Uh, A lot of other stories that have been coming out. He has now written a book called Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying American Public Education. Luke Rosiak, you are a troublemaking individual. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You're doing great work, buddy. It really, you have elevated uh, the entire site, and uh, it's, it's really terrific. Uh, your book, Race to the Bottom, you, you know, on the on the ad for Race to the Bottom, the, the uh, log line, it says everyone wants high schoolers to graduate well-prepared for jobs, improve STEM literacy, greater achievement for inner-city children, happiness for all children. So why are liberals spending billions of dollars working against those goals? Why are they working against those goals? Well, it's really a couple different things. You've got the true believers that are pushing the CRT to basically tear down anything that works just because it works. And then from the ashes, they can take power. It's really a virus that spreads in order simply to take control for the sake of it. Um, But the real question that interests me is, why would the schools allow this kind of rhetoric in? And so the issue is... um, Basically, I argue in this book that the CRT, that CRT is used is just the latest technique used by teachers to conceal test scores and take the focus off of things that are objective. Because when you look at the objective data, they are failing our kids. We spend seventeen thousand dollars a year per student. And we've got thirty six percent literacy rate. Um, and so, if they can get rid of standardized testing, which is what they did in the magnet school, there's no entrance exam anymore. Um, suddenly, we can't really evaluate the job performance. So, I think some of this racial stuff is really just a cynical ploy by uh, administrators for their own um, selfish reasons. So it almost sounds like there's a kind of a, uh, a league. And on one hand, you have teachers who are not doing their job and can cover it up by getting rid of uh, these tests. But on the other hand, clearly you have a group of people who believe that just having tests is somehow uh, bad because it's unequal. I mean, uh, you know, the Asian kid might do better at math than the black kid, not necessarily for racial reasons, but simply because of uh, the difference in their home lives or the difference in their uh, culture. I, I mean, are these people knowingly working together? Or is this just a conspiracy of interest? 
I think it's a it's a transactional alliance. Um, they they don't actually necessarily agree on everything. They just agree on tearing down the status quo, and that's what you really see when you look into all the acronyms that you hear in the education world. I spent two years writing this book. I know what all the acronyms mean: the SEL and the CSRE and all this stuff that they use to confuse parents and kind of keep them out because this is our turf and we've got education degrees. Um, basically, all that stuff is just. Uh, uh, trying to move things from the subjective uh, away from the objective measures uh, to the to the subjective, and, and so um, you basically they're willing to inflict social, uh, sexual, emotional, and physical harm on children to get to get their way. I mean, you've got the teachers' unions shutting down schools for two years. There's children committing suicide. There's children who are going to be illiterate for for you know. Uh, uh, basically, if you want to help kids, if you want to help minorities and poor kids, what's the best way to get rid of those unequal stats? It's just to help kids learn, give them the skills they need to have high-paid jobs like math. And so it's hard to believe they actually want uh, to reduce racial inequality when um, keeping minority kids uh, from learning math at a rigorous level is kind of the surest way to propagate it. Who, where does the money come from for this? When you say they're spending uh, billions, where do those billions of dollars come from? It's really the philanthropic foundations. And, you know, to answer the question, who is behind CRT, one of the interesting ways to explain or answer that question is it's the Gates Foundation, it's the Carnegie Foundation, the Kellogg Foundation, and the Rockefeller Foundation. And so if you remember about 10 years ago with Common Core, it was kind of widely acknowledged that the Gates Foundation architected this whole thing. You have to be pretty powerful to influence uh, a $1 trillion industry like K-12, through which is uh, run by 13. 15,000 different school districts, and there's very few people powerful enough to do it. These billion-dollar foundations are pretty much the only people that can. Um, the Gates, the Kellogg Foundation in particular, and the Ford Foundation are super, super radical and obsessed with race. And there's a really creepy story here, because going back 100 years, the foundations have always been obsessed with race. They were behind eugenics in the early 1910s. Around 1940, the Ford Foundation was running a massive warehouse on Long Island, keeping track of every family's genetics, so they could see which kind of genes America would be better off uh, not having. Um, you know, and more recently, the foundations have focused on basically uh, getting rid of minorities by aborting them. And so now when you have these foundations putting, pushing ideas like um, showing up on time and working hard are attributes of a white culture, uh, you know, they position themselves now as very left-leaning social justice foundations, but that's a profoundly racist idea, and it's actually very much in keeping with what they've been um, pushing for the last 100 years. Why is it that, you know, we, we now see, in part because of your reporting, Luke, we now see the parents stepping up and, and uh, turning up in these, at these school board meetings and protesting. Where, where are the teachers? Why haven't any teachers, I mean, surely not all teachers are crazy people. I mean, so why haven't any of the teachers objected to this? You know, they've been um, remarkably quiet, and they say there's ways that, you know, they can make it, uh, the activists will make it very uncomfortable for mm -hmm. them in these schools. But I'm kind of, I know that's true, but if the activists were such a tiny minority, I think that would be hard to actually happen. So I think uh, we have to give, we have to hold teachers to account here. Um, and the truth of the matter is, if you look at, um, teachers are not 
particularly well qualified. They enter college with the lowest SATs of any major, mm. lower than gender studies. I think the guys that go to college to study like gym class actually have higher <laughs> SATs than teachers. And yet they graduate college with the highest GPAs. So essentially anyone can become a teacher. You can get straight A's in education school just by, you know, having a having a pulse. Um, and so I don't think we have to just like honor teachers as these unque you know experts who who we can't question. The truth is these are people that have um, presided over the state of our public schools that have really maintained whatever racial inequalities there are for decades. And so I think teachers and a, and a large number of teachers, to tell the truth, do bear some responsibility here. That, you know, this is this seems to me a part of the story that doesn't get told. I mean, uh, you know, you and uh, Chris Rufo have done a lot of great work exposing the kind of bizarre racial theories that these guys put forward. But not enough people talk about the fact that our children really don't do very well in school and our teachers aren't really very qualified. Uh, that seems to be something that that people don't don't actually know. I mean, our our literary our literacy rates in the world are high in the, in the sense that most Americans can read, but are, are, is, our, is American reading um, capability, is it lower than it is elsewhere? Um, so most American youth essentially can't read. We mm. have 36% proficiency in reading wow. among 12th graders. We have 11% proficiency in, in history among 12th graders, 24% um, proficiency in math, uh, and so, you know, these are 12th graders. They're uh, sometimes adults. They're going to be voting the next year. They're going to be um, we're holding jobs, ideally. Um, and yet America is 30th out of 36 developed nations in math. So other countries are doing this better than us. Mm -hmm. um, but the mentality that they've taken has basically been, it's equivalent to if you have a fever and you go to the doctor and he takes your temperature and he looks at the thermometer and you've got a 104 temperature and he just breaks the thermometer in half and says, well, now you're cured. That's pretty much what, <laughs> that's pretty much what the educators do. They just say, well, let's stop measuring. And what happens is when you uh, hide a problem, it gets worse. And so, um, you know, I think it's really important that people read this book because it situates all of what we've been seeing for the last two years in the broader context, that CRT and the school closures are symptoms of these underlying problems that you can see in a very dramatic fashion over the last two decades, where these schools are just vehicles that to be used for a variety of special interests, where, where, whether it's teachers and administrators or ideological activists, and they're willing to really harm children to get their way. So I think um, it, it, academics, your question is exactly exactly right. This is all about academics. It's about the school's failure to actually do their only job. And when they want to talk about race all the time, it's just a way to keep you from realizing that uh, these people are the people who have managed to uh, get a 36% literacy rate, which is, um, you know, pathetic. And it, it, it's, uh, that's a national scandal. I mean, I didn't, I didn't actually realize that the numbers were that bad. That is a genuine scandal. The book is Race to the Bottom by Luke uh, Rosiak. You know, we, it's in the news right now because of Florida uh, this bill uh, to stop teachers from uh, basically grooming children for sexual dysfunction uh, up at least through the third grade. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I can't see any excuse to talk to somebody else's child about sexuality. I mean, I would, that's not something I would ever do. I would expect to be arrested if I did that. <laughs> you know, it's just not none, none of your business. Um, is this, is this a, is this also to, to, cover up 
school dysfunction, or is there something really sick going on? I mean, if this were happening in a Catholic church, people would be up in arms. People would be going insane if, if Catholic priests were saying to children, you know, you may not actually be a girl, you might be a boy. <laughs> Everybody would see what it is. When teachers do it, uh, somehow the left thinks they can, it's defensible. It seems to me something genuinely wicked is going on, or am I missing something here? Yeah, I think that's right. And I don't see how this is covering up, you know, lack of academic learning. I think it's um, basically the um, it is the desperate reaction of an industry that is finally getting the scrutiny that it's deserved for decades. And so for the longest time, they just were able to tell a few easy lies like schools are underfunded and parents would just accept it. Now that parents are showing up to school board meetings, they are flipping out because informed parents would not accept the status quo when it comes to education in America. So they're just saying almost viscerally, like, get out, parents. These are our children, not yours. We are literally going to take it to such an extreme that we're going to talk about gay sex to kindergartners, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, Now, I think what exposes here is this is not actually Democrat versus Republican. Education is so personal that it can really alter the traditional partisan alignment. We saw that in Virginia with Democratic voters moving over to the right. We see it with Asian parents waking up because of the assault on merit. Um, You know, you're going to see it with Hispanics who are religious and they don't like this sexual stuff. But I would also say that traditional Democratic voters who are white middle class people, they don't actually want kids talking about sex. It's absurd. It's a a total, it exposes that... um, Basically, the education industry is it's not democratic. It's controlled by a particular strain of radical ideologues who don't actually even re- represent um, the base of their party. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, Ben Shapiro says is very funny is he says only, uh, you know, a genius like Joe Biden and the, the Democrat Party would make an enemy out of parents because you know, there's an awful lot of them. It's not a good it's not a good uh, political look. What? Parents have obviously not been paying attention or these people would not be on school boards to begin with. Uh, Now that they're paying attention, do you think that that's going to change? Do you think that these school boards, you know, we saw that in San Francisco where three uh, woke board members. And after all, San Francisco, not the most conservative place in the country. Three woke school board members were chased off the board. We were called. Do you think we're going to see more of that? Or do you think that somehow the the unions and the school boards are going to be able to uh, hunker down and resist this wave? I think what we're seeing is a transformative sort of upheaval in American politics that's going to last for decades. Um, you know, it's going to be hard because the other side is essentially paid to work in these schools and they have their whole language that they've created, this alphabet soup of different acronyms and jargon. And they use that to keep parents away. But parents are mad. Um, you know, uh, what parents need to do is keep showing up to these school board meetings with courage and confidence. And you get the courage because, you know, if you don't get involved, bad people are filling that vacuum. And you get the confidence by being informed. You can do that by reading my book and understanding these acronyms. So when they talk at you, you can explain to them. You can understand why you're being lied to and just shove it down their throat. Um, You can get informed by doing your research on these school board members because a lot of people just vote for them based on party without even knowing who these people are. Um, But the school board races are so important. I started this book back in 2019 before coronavirus, before CRT really became a big thing, when I realized that out of the 10 Democrats on my local county school board, none of them had kids in the school system. Mm. 
And when I learned that, I was just blown away. I said, something is going on here. And so what I do in this book is what we did in Loudoun with the Daily Wire. Um, I want people to understand that was just a case study. Those same dynamics are present everywhere, even if you're in Wichita or Des Moines or, uh, you know, wherever. Um, and so I do 61 case studies with different school districts across the country so you can identify those dynamics um, but I do think that if parents are committed and motivated and informed and they don't give up, absolutely we can take back these schools because this isn't Democrat versus Republicans. About 1% of the population that is basically employed by these schools or has some other vested interest in it versus parents and children. And that, that's, I mean, that's a, a very hopeful idea. Do you think that the homeschooling movement and uh, private schools, I mean, I, I always joke that I have, I actually wrote a movie that is perennially on the list of the worst movies ever made, but it put my kid through private school, so I didn't have problems like this. Uh, I, I wonder, uh, is homeschooling and private school, I know it's expensive, but is that uh, an option for parents? I think it's honestly, it's worth doing. The, the problems in the schools are so severe. I think we need to take back those school boards. Even if your kids are not in public schools, you are a voter, you are a taxpayer. You have every right to those school systems to be voting in those elections. Um, but you can do both. If you can get your kids out, that's going to put some fiscal pain on these school districts and maybe it'll make them reform in the long term. But it's a real uphill battle because even if you get a conservative school board or a sane school board, there's essentially this deep state, the superintendent and all the people that work in the schools. So the, yeah, that's kind of my advice is get your kids out, do the homeschooling, do the pods if you can, um, private school, whatever you can do, even if you have to get a second job to pay for it, it'll be worth it. But you know what Republicans, uh, they made a big mistake for decades by just talking about school choice as if, as if it absolved them from having to care about the public schools at all. And I think that really was a tremendous error mm. because it allowed the Democrats to not only the Democrats, but the, this fringe ideology to completely colonize them. And even if your kids go to private school, they're going to have to live in a country that's populated largely by public school graduates. Mm, great. Luke Rosiak, the author of Race to the Bottom. Luke, you're doing a great job. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk again. Thank you, Andrew. 